Hi, Karma fam. Hey, Karma fam. Well, <laughs> I I want to check in. Yeah, we want We're feeling a little crazy because I'm not doing no. Great. Uh, well, we no. should say that this episode oh, is yeah. coming out on Wednesday, which is the day after the election, after. Mm-hmm. and we are recording this intro the day before the election. So we are still in the state of like, what is happening? Really nervous. Yeah, there's such a, there's a holding pattern right now. And I don't want to go on websites and look. Um, I know. I already looked at 538 like three times today. I know, which it keeps is the numbers. Well, we're in, we won't talk numbers because it'll be all absol- obsolete by Wednesday, right? It won't matter. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... It's just, yeah, I think a lot of us, you know, we won't speak for everyone, but I'll speak for myself. I am just so, I like the burn of the last election and how, like, I still remember waking up the next day and just being like, is this real? Right. Like, is this really happening? And I'm just like, that could absolutely happen again. And I need to be prepared for it. So I'm just trying to be like really apathetic, I think. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm, I told Indra, I've been text banking for the last week and a half. And the responses are alarming. Someone said um, that they wanted to they responded to my text banking today saying they wanted to fart into my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So I've heard it all. I mean, I've I've been, res- I have to say I've been getting like 20 texts a I know, day. and I get it, but there is someone but, on the other end that just wants to make sure you get to the polls. Yeah, and just like, don't respond. You don't just, Or say stop if you simply mouth. say, this is for the next election. <laughs> if you simply say stop, there's they a button. They will take you off the I, list. There's a button I push. I mean, there's that. Someone sent me also pornographic cosplay oh oh no like a scene what are you joking i mean and so then it's like i've been called bitch i've been called fucking bitch yeah you know you asshole i mean i guess you'll bleep all this out or whatever no no well i think this is kind of along the lines of like our guest for this week right because she kind of got crapped on. Yes. And after let's talk show. about who it is. So we are really, we had a really great conversation with Aparna from Indian Matchmaking, which was the hit series on Netflix. And if you haven't watched it, you've been living under a rock. Yeah. It's or like if you want to watch it, I would say watch it because it's a nice break from the oh, chaos yeah. that's going on in this world. You can binge it in like four hours because I think all the episodes are like 25 minutes. So just go ahead and do yourself a favor. Right. Just binge it. I might Um, rewatch it just for just for good vibes. (laughs) Just for good vibes. But yeah, Aparna was kind of like the main character on the show. She definitely got the most screen time. And, you know, we did a recap of Indian matchmaking, which if you want to hear it, um, we talk about what happened with all the um, cast and everything but we you know we gave Aparna a pretty rough review which I right. think was warranted because the show really cast her in a pretty much terrible light terrible. they wanted you to hate her right and she recognizes that and um, so we talk about how she perceives herself versus um, how Netflix created a character out of like her experience yeah. mm-hmm. and who she is as a woman 
And we also talk about villainizing females in reality television. And I didn't really, I mean, I've talked about it, but I didn't really put it two and two together. Yeah. And I I think it was, it's just really interesting to go behind the scenes and talk with these people who have had their stories told on television. And then you find out what really went on, like kind of how her experience filming the show didn't really match up with how, how the show was aired. Um, you know, how she's dealt with all of that. And yeah, you know, I think it's just really a testament to her and, it's just really interesting to getting to know her more outside of the context of a like very edited show. Like, you know, this interview will be slightly edited just to like get it down to something that you guys can listen to, but we're going to let her say her piece and we want you all to hear that. Um, she's a really, really nice person. And um, yeah, it was really nice to talk to her. Right. And I think um, hopefully, you know, after you listen to this interview and I know after we did this interview, Mm -hmm. I like to think of myself as, you know, I watch a lot of reality TV and I like to think I really know what's going on behind the scenes. But then, of course, I don't. I have no idea. No, you really don't. And I think that all these conversations are just like so enlightening and um I do want to preview that next week we are going to be airing a conversation we're going to have with Kirpa Sudik from Colton season of The Bachelor. Um, And I really hope that she gives us some good behind the scenes content because I feel like The Bachelor of all the reality TV things is so manipulative and, you know, maybe it's more... But maybe not. I mean, we have to remember that behind all of these shows, there is a team who's trying to manipulate the stories so that they make good TV. And that's what they did with Aparna. And it's uh, and we find out from her that that's what the case with some other cast members. And, um, you know, you just have to remember that these people are real people <laughs> and right. they have real feelings. Hence, the. And- re- I think we forget that they, you know, are eating living breathing mm-hmm. um, human beings and that signed up for a television show and but they receive so much flack and yeah they really do I, and it's a bummer yeah it's it really a, is and especially and, we you know I think as a woman we should not you know of course like pull each other down and rather lift yeah. each other up and so we we talked a lot about that in the interview I know and it made it made me feel like you know it was just interesting because we were some of the viewers who kind of like had a bad opinion of her. And then, you know, we can change that around though. And so this is a really interesting interview and we hope that you enjoy it. Um, And I also want to mention is to follow us on the socials, family karma cast with a K. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can email us questions or comments or whatever family. Or like tell us about things that we should be covering because we're waiting for season two of family karma. We're not, sure when it's going to air but um until that comes out and we can do recaps of that we're just focused on south asians and pop culture and um you know we have a lot of great stuff planned but if there's like a movie or a tv show or something that you think we don't know about that we that you'd like to hear a recap on we're happy 
to accept those comments and suggestions. And we've heard from many of you already, and thank you for that. So keep reaching out. And please leave a review. Yeah, put a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to um, podcast-wise. It really does help, and um, we really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. So let's get into this interview with Aparna from Indian Matchmaking. Yay, we're so excited to talk we with you. We are so excited. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this interview. Thank you for having me today. I hear you've been talking to some of my castmates. We talked yes. to Rashi, and um, we're going to talk to Vinay later. It's, I guess, like, what is the distinction between, like, an official castmate and, like, the side people? Because, like, obviously you were, like, the star of the show. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know about that. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, like, we're all called contributors. And okay. um, we have somehow heard the lingo and picked it up that some of us are primaries and some of us are not. Okay. So the primaries are obviously Nadia, Vyasar, and I. And then the people that came to our homes and dated us are, I think someone called them a secondary ones. But I don't know if that's an official term. Okay. And was that like always the plan when they approached you with or actually we're curious. Let's start from the beginning. Let's start from the beginning. Were you recruited or did you apply? I applied. I I was in L.A. on my way home from the airport, uh, on my way home to Houston. I was in the LAX airport and I was on Facebook scrolling through because I was flying standby to go home a little earlier that day. And someone had posted on my Facebook um, a friend of a friend who's my friend on Facebook, but in real life, a friend of a friend. And. She's like, are you South Asian? Are you single? Um, Are you really looking to get married? I was like, yeah, here I am. And so I applied right then and there. And then a week later, I heard back from them. And the rest is history. Casting began. So it was a Facebook ad or like a... A friend, her sister was the casting director. So oh, she got it. Like, oh. She was just like, hey, guys, I don't know who I'm the, in this world is South Asian single and looking for someone. My sister's a casting director in this project. Apply here. And I was like, okay, I know this girl. I've met her five times. She's my best friend's best friend. Okay. Um, and I was like, okay. and you knew it was Netflix. I don't remember. This was two years ago. I don't know if they said right. it for Netflix or if it was just a documentary project or I don't remember what it said. Were you ever like, so from the beginning, you knew that this was like possibly going to be something on TV or a movie or something like that. Did that ever make you nervous? Um, knowing that that like your story would potentially be told in a media space like that? Um, I think most of us didn't realize to what extent it would be shown. So Smriti Mundra is the creator of the show and she did A Suitable Girl. It's a documentary that won like some Tribeca Film Festival Awards. It's a very like classy upscale piece on our culture. And this was kind of supposed to be like a spinoff of that. So I was like, oh, how cool. This could be like a Tribeca. It could start some really awesome conversations about our culture. Her other documentary was on Amazon Prime at the time. And it was just so beautiful. It's so nuanced and complex. And I was just like, this woman's incredible. I would love to be a part of something that she does. Because obviously she does like this really incredible work, you know, in the documentary space. So I thought it was kind of more along that line. I've spoken to a lot of my castmates. They were kind of told the same thing that, you know, it's a part of this process. So, um, yeah, I think that was kind of the intent. How long did the whole um, shooting process with the testimonials take? Uh, 2019. So like April to December of 2019. 
Oh, wow. That's a longer period of time. Well, they were traveling all over the world. It was a very ambitious project, right? So like right. get from Pradhaman to Ankitha and Delhi, then to get back to Akshay, then to fly across the world to me and Nadia and New Jersey and Rupam and Denver. Oh, yeah, Rupam. And um, she was also a primary. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, very awesome one who recently got married. Oh, uh, she did. did. Wow. Yeah. We are all cheering her on. She's so cool. And she married that guy from the show that she met on Bumble. Um, oh, oh, really? Yeah. What yeah. a beautiful okay. wedding. You guys should go stock that on Instagram. That wedding was right. beautiful. She's beautiful. Um, she's a really kick-ass pediatric doctor um, and this really like strong woman. And I just don't think the show did that justice because – I was like, wow, she's like top of her field in, in right. medicine right now. And I was like, they didn't mention that. <laughs> I felt like they yeah. dropped off with her. That was like one of my qualms with the whole show is they introduced her. And then, and then they it was gone. Ended the show. Totally. Yeah, I think they did that with everyone though, right? Because there was zero success rate. And so what's a good way to kind of leave it hanging? So it doesn't look like everyone was um, a failed story, but actually just a story in motion. Uh, yeah. So I think that was the, the point. I don't know. I can't speak for the people who made the show, but that's what I gathered as I was watching. Yeah. I, was like, I was still invested in the people that I watched on there. You know, I was like, oh, wow. I wonder where their story went. Yeah. That's really interesting that you mentioned that like Rupam's kind of professional trajectory and how impressive that is and everything. They kind of like tamp that down. Um, I feel like you are a very strong opinionated woman. And I think that that like, well, you know, I think the portrayal of that was sometimes used against you, which doesn't mm-hmm. seem fair to me. Um, so I'm curious to hear how you felt about that watching it and just like knowing who you are and yourself and all of that. Yeah, it's hard to watch yourself in an edited portrayal, obviously. Um, But everyone will say that. No one is as good or as bad as they seemed on the show. Um, We are all nuanced, complex human beings, and we have many traits to us that are good and bad. And um, the editing process decided which ones you as an audience would see. Um, And I've talked to other women who have been vilified on television from Jessica Batten to Olivia Carity, and they are literally the sweetest, warmest, most genuine people. And my friends would wholeheartedly say the same thing about me and it's interesting that you can just you know kind of clamp out those parts of a person you know you can be strong and independent and also be warm and generous you can be you know opinionated and um, independent and you can also still want love for yourself and go through some hardships in the process and it's a it's a shame that a lot of the viewers didn't get to see the honest and um, full journey of each one of us but there's just no way that can happen in television also like there's also reality behind the situation do I think it was done well as far as um Honest portrayals? No, not at all. Uh, do I think that was the intention? No, not at all. I think that um, the episodes were created for very specific reasons as foils of characters to one another and also um, to elicit ratings and um, interest from the viewer. And um, if those were the goals and accomplishments, they obviously did great because the whole world watched and um, had lots to say on it. What did your mom think of your edit Yeah, and her edit? Her edit was extremely poor. I mean, she's the kindest, most liberal, progressive, open-minded mom. And for them to, like, categorize her like that, like, you can mess with me all you want. Don't mess with my mom. Like, that was yeah. They made her seem to be a person that nobody even who knew her, they were like, what was that? And I was like, I have no idea. I literally don't know who that woman is. Um, and the fact that anyone could say that is, like, insane. And um, But they did the same. I talked to Akshay. Akshay's like, my mom's not like that either. And I'm like, yeah, but... The overpowering, overbearing mom who, like, basically gets too involved in your life and has, like, you know, awful codependent issues with you is a very good story to tell. 
it's a very strong South Asian stereotype and they needed that to come forth and they used our parents, whether or not um, complicitly or not for that storytelling. Do you think it was harmful how they kind of dug into the stereotypes that way for like the South Asian community in terms of how others perceive us? There was no South, South Asian in the editing room. So I think that's very evident. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. Very evident in the way that the show is made. This is what I understand anyway. Um, wow. I was not much South Asian representation, if any, in the editing room. And so I think that's very evident in the way that the show is viewed and the archetypes were built. And um, I think that it was a real shame because I think there is a, a wonderful way to talk about this. And uh, in many ways, I'm glad they didn't sanitize the topics, the larger macro topics of colorism and casteism and heightism and sexism and misogyny and all those things. It's great that they allowed those in because uh, they could have wiped them clean from the story completely. Um, but I still don't think that the, I can compliment them on that and still not compliment them on, you know, some of their other choices that they made. What was your initial um, conversation you had with the matchmaker and how many conversations did you have with her total? In general, I, I had quite a few interactions with Seema Auntie, be it on Skype and um, on phone calls and then also on the interactions when she flew to Houston. Um Definitely, you know, she she came with the package of filming, and um, yeah, she was um, she was a big part of the of the core story, right? That we were all circling and revolving around her. Maybe that's why she wears yellow. She was our sun, and we were just the planet. That's a yeah. really good point. <laughs> yeah. Had you ever tried using a matchmaker before this experience? I was always open to it. I applied to use one applied um so there's a woman in in um, dc that does this um elite south asian matchmaking and when i was 27 i signed up with her i want to say she was like twelve thousand dollars or something like that oh my Um, god wow but she didn't take me on as a client i was too young at the time and she was like look like i want to be honest with you you haven't tried online dating which eight years ago no one was online dating and i was like there's a reason i haven't tried it it's because nobody (laughs) does it and she was like look young lady some word to the wise um try it Try it. There's this app called Tinder. There's Match. There's eHarmony. Tinder, I think, had just come out the year prior. She's like, you're young. You know, you're a pretty girl. You are looking for very specific things that you can probably siphon out yourself. And I appreciate that in hindsight. Like, what a honest business practice to say. Yeah. Hey, try all the other routes first, and then come back to me. So now I'd probably be a solid client for her in my thirties. Um, but at the time, um, I appreciated her honesty. But I was obviously open to the idea that I went seeking her out when I was 27. So the show premiered um, during COVID. Um, do you get recognized at all? Or what kind of feedback do you get? Do people stop you in the grocery store? Or so anytime I take off my mask is when it like becomes like mm. a fawn, um, <laughs> attack. not attack in a bad way, but like just like, Oh, wow, this is intense. Um, most of the time with the mask, people can't tell who I am. Um, I wear a very large mask. And then like, we're all kind of nondescript with those on. Um, I definitely went to Chicago to see Shaker. Well, not to see him. I was there for work, but we saw each other like every day I was there. And um, people like recognize us with masks in Chicago. I was in New York and some a few people recognized me with the mask on. But definitely like if I was taking a photo or if I was at a bar having a drink and the mask was off, or like, oh my God, it's you. Um, <laughs> I was in Utah and Arizona last week with friends and we were like literally hiking mountains and people would be like screaming my name. They're like, it's a far enough. I'm hiking up a mountain. I am dying right now. Also, I think that's kind of incredible because I'm a girl from Texas on the show. How would you even like 
I know to you as you're climbing a mountain that it could even be me. Like if I saw someone, I'd be like, oh, it's not her. I think it's her. But like I wouldn't have the guts to be like, it's you. But um, they were definitely people like literally like, as I was climbing mountains being like, I loved you on the show. So oh I'm like, white woman was like, I loved you on TikTok. I was like, I don't have a TikTok. <laughs> Are you famous on TikTok? And I was like, no. no Are you no, famous? No. I know I've seen you somewhere. It must and be Literally, TikTok. that's what she said. Then she followed up with, but I've seen you somewhere. I was like, Indian matchmaking on Netflix. She was like, oh my God, you're a partner. Can I take a picture with you? <laughs> like, I'm kind of social distancing. And she was like, up on me in two seconds. I was like, okay. I guess I'm not social distancing. So like... When you realized the show was going to be on Netflix and everything, like, did you expect it to just explode the way that it has? No, because I thought it was a docuseries. And how boring is a docuseries about seven single Indian kids? Like, <laughs> worst worst storyline ever. Like, we were, like, the most PG, no fantasy suite, no bikinis. Like, yeah. Not, like, we are, like, the worst. Um I didn't realize, obviously, that it would be uh, a reality show, not a docuseries. So the difference is, obviously, a docuseries is more nuanced, complex. It tells the whole story. Reality shows are more like these edited, crafted, archetypal archetypal kind of, um, I don't know, things made for the viewers. And so I didn't think anyone would watch our boring story. It is quite a boring story, to be honest. Um, <laughs> we're all single, except for Rupam, like, not much to report. Um, so, yeah. And then I think we learned the week before that it was going to be aired in every country around the world. Mm. that's when it kind of hit most of us really like, what do you mean every country they're like well four don't have netflix and i was like what four don't have netflix and i was like north korea like uh, i know <laughs> wow. yeah, what are the other three countries that don't have netflix is, that's is, does china have netflix i don't think they do i kind of want to google it right now but there are yeah. four countries apparently that don't have netflix and they did not see a front of Indian matchmaking then yeah well i st- like as a South Asian American myself, when it came on my like Netflix screen, I was like, oh, that looks like something I'll enjoy because, duh, like this is yeah. similar to my experience, but like I'm sure no one else will watch it. And then in the coming days, it was like all right. over social media, like all my I white friends. It in two days. Well, yeah. <laughs> all my white friends were like, oh my God, have you seen Indian Matchmaking? I was like, why do you care? Yeah. Why do you, why do you both? think that it got so big i'm interested in both of your opinions Vietnamese matchmaking i would watch russian matchmaking i would watch jewish matchmaking so why not i think people love matchmaking and like it's a way to learn about the different culture and they definitely made it spicy enough like with all the different characters so like why not why not binge it, it there's so much uh, content on netflix nowadays but it, most of the people heard about it from a friend or i don't know how they caught it but it seems to be word of mouth a lot um and a friend is like, man, this is crazy. I learned all about Indian matchmaking. Like a lot of the people that stopped me on my travels are not Indian. They're not South Asian. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like that older white woman. Like, yeah, right. like what? Like, not, first of all, you're in Zion. So like you're like, like you're a Zion person in Utah. And then you think I'm on TikTok. Well, first of all, I don't even have well, – I just started an account after that because I was like, oh, what's going on on TikTok? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think part of it also is like – People love love stories, right? And it was smart right. of the show, I think, to leave those plot lines unfinished so that you are left wondering, you engage on social media afterwards, you like want to know what's happening with everyone. I feel like that sucked me in as someone who kind of knows about the Indian matchmaking world. But yeah, I mean, I think people are just, they love love stories, right? Like, I don't like know. Like I said, I would watch Vietnamese matchmaking in a heartbeat. Right. Or Korean Me too. Movie, right? Yeah. Totally. 
so you're friends with Shekhar still? Yeah, we're really, really good friends. He was my rock throughout the whole process. We would talk every day for many months. And now we're talking like twice a week. But for like the other day, we were on the phone for like four hours. And we're like, oh, my wow. gosh. He was just so cool. And so was Jay and Billup. You know, they would defend me to the death. Uh, Biaser, who never even met me, would defend me on Twitter. I think the people that met me that had good dates with me, which are Dilip, Shaker, and Jay, um, they became my friends anyway. Like everyone's like, oh, your dates went so poorly. I was like, because they were like 10 hours long. And like, these people are people I respect and care about. Like, sure, they weren't the one. I'm not going to marry them. But like, that doesn't mean that they're not really cool, grounded, humble people. Like a lot of people are like, can you set me up with them? I'm like, yeah, like, I'd love (laughs) your matchmaker. Like, these are good guys. Like, these are guys I could stand up and say, like, to even one of my good friends, like, you'd be lucky to, you know, to, to go on a date with him and get to know him and hopefully have it work out. Um, so it's interesting that they could edit that out because um, I'm very close to those three men and more, mostly to Shaker. We have a lot in common. Obviously, we are these attorneys. We also had three dates. Um, I only went on one or two dates with the others. Um, in real life, we had three dates. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think two were taped. And then every time someone came to Houston to visit me, if they were spending the night or anything before they flew out the next day, I would take them out to a meal and say, like, hey, cameras are off. Like, Thank you for your time. I really respect you and admire you for coming out here and taking time out of your life. Let me treat you to dinner. Let me like have a drink with you. Like tell me about all the crazy things you were thinking today because none of us had anyone else to talk to. Like yeah. I I got pretty good in front of the camera, you know, but like um, the others, this was their first and sometimes only time that they will ever maybe be in front of a camera. And so like they had a lot of questions and um, ideas and, and feelings about it and they wanted to share it with me. And, and I would just sit there and listen because like I – for most of these people had already been on like five, six dates before them and had the cameras in my house for days on end. And like, I was like, I know that these people, the crew members, I know who I'm up against. They were like, who was that girl again that was doing that? And you know, it's, it's a fun experience. And, and we were very siloed like from each other. So like all the other primaries, I didn't even know their names until like the week before the show. And even then it was like piecing it together and trying to find them on social media. Like we were very isolated during the process, which is very unusual. Like, a lot of the women on The Bachelor, especially the women, will will say, like, at least I had that family intact, right? Mm-hmm. At least I had friendships. At least I had that camaraderie. We never got any of that. So if you didn't have it with your dates, like, at least I had it with my dates. But, like, if you didn't have that, you were alone. Like, you were literally alone. And in yeah. a way, you were alone during the process because they were coming to me and I was dealing with everything on my end, you know? Like, they were just visitors in my setup. And I had to go through that setup alone. What was the, so, so you're kind of touching upon it. What was the emotional process for you going through the filming and then the emotional part of watching yourself on camera and then the emotional part of the aftermath of the feedback from the general public? I love the process. So we were very lucky because it was such a fast moving, um, geographically diverse production. It didn't ever affect our lives in huge ways. They would take me um, for three to four days, three days tops, um, 10 hours a day, they're unionized and um, they'd be out, they'd be gone. And then they'd come back in four months and do it again, or they'd come back the next month and do it again. You know, like, um, so I lived my normal life. I was on apps. I was working full time. It didn't even cross my mind. I would once in a while to take a PTO day just to like tape or film. But like you don't even think about what that looks like, really, because you're just like, oh, it's the same people. Like by the time you get through the first round of it, you're like, oh, they're coming back. Like, oh, I know they love this flavor of LaCroix. Oh, I'll buy them. Like, I'll share with them my favorite candy or, I <laughs> you know, like they're just people that come visit you almost and they're doing their job and you're doing yours, which is being a part of the show and you move through the process. 
Um, so it was a great positive experience. Um, watching the show, it felt kind of like a betrayal that these people were in my home and that's what they were creating. Um, mm. I was like, wow, wait, I brought you your favorite LaCroix flavors. Like I offered you drinks, I fed you, I you know, made you masala chai and this is what you were creating all along. Like, that's crazy. Like, um, it was really hard. It was really hurtful. And it was also very surprising. I didn't sign up for reality TV. So I was just really shocked too. very quickly. The media turned in my favor. I think by day three, O magazine put out that article, then Vulture put out two. then, you know, since then I've had New Yorker, New York times, like pop sugar, like a name of publication, uh, Al Jazeera, BBC, like they've all, come out in support of this uh, vilification of strong women and that we're kind of over it. And I don't think we're all over it. I think there's a big change and a big swing though. And most of the time, unfortunately, the women I talked to that went through the same situation, um, they cried about it. They hid hid away from the world. They um, didn't want to deal with the aftermath. And I was the exact opposite. I was like, how dare you do this to me? I'm going to speak out on my behalf as who I am as a real person. And quite quickly I made that decision and stuck to it and I remain with it today because we can't keep doing this. Like we can't, it's, it's tiring as a society. It's tiring for women. It's, and, and it's uneducated viewers that keep consuming media this way. And we have to educate them. There has to be a majority shift at a certain point because it's just harmful in a way. It's um, not serving anyone. It's a disservice to everyone. And after me, there will always be a vilified woman. And um, one day, I hope I'm not saying that, but we are 25 years into reality TV in this country. We have watched The Bachelor since I was like seven or eight years old or something like that. Like, why do we do this? Why does every Bachelor have that crazy vilified strong woman? Like, why do we always vilify her? Like, why do we always make princesses of the girls that are demure and coy and giggle all the time? Like, why do we have to have this one persona of a likable woman? Like, why can't we just be likable for being authentic? Um, and I think these are bigger questions that revolve around the show and my portrayal on the show. And um, I've been very moved by the people that have stood in support of me, both in the media and uh, viewers. And it just shows that we as a society are evolving and changing and growing and learning um, and, and really thinking about the ramifications of our viewage and, and the way that we speak about these shows afterwards. And so how do we as active watchers who consume this media what suggestions do you have, especially as women? Um, how do we fight back? I, I think it's in the way that I said, like, right, the media is already doing it because these, and mind you, a major, I think mostly, I've done probably about 200 media engagements at this point. I think 195 or 190 have been female. And that's really interesting. Wow, really? Oh, journalists wow. and media, you know, production people that are like, hey, I need to talk to you about this. And I think it's because women are getting wise and that will be where it starts. And as more and more people support me on social media and in their and in their their platforms, whatever, how bigger, however big or small those might be, I think that we're changing the conversation. And the next time some woman gets vilified, I'll use my platform and say unacceptable. Olivia Carity has a um, podcast called Mouthing Off and it's basically about this. It's about- and she's from The Bachelor. Yeah, she was like FYI super vilified yeah. on her season. Yeah. She- Sorry to interrupt. Kindest, sweetest. I didn't even watch her season, to be honest. I don't really watch The Bachelor. I stopped watching it when all the women became younger than me. Right. Well, the thing about Olivia is like, so so the media, tur- the producers turned on her and then I remember all the girls like turning on her in the house. Does she talk about that? Um, not to me, but I know that was the premise behind her starting her podcast. And um, I didn't know the women turned on her house, but I, I've read a little bit about The Bachelor 
and apparently like the producers like incite things um yeah for sure and like all that stuff so like i could see how maybe the producers told these very young women like hey you know libya's talking about you and you know, if you say that to enough young women in a house, and by the way, these women are very young. Some of them are like 22, 23 years old. Yeah. Um, the brightest cookies in our society. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like <laughs> sometimes. Um, and, you know, to, to, are they are they wary of the process? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know any of the things that happen in the background, but I could see how that could be a, a large part of production and not yeah. just yeah. These women just arbitrarily being like, oh, we don't like that girl and we're going to turn on her. Like, Well, and it's yeah. really interesting because like not to talk about physical appearance, but like Olivia really stood out because she's really beautiful. And so I think it's that whole thing as women, you know, it's like if we're at a party and I'm just saying this generally, not about you and me and whatever. It's like when, say, like if a supermodel walks in, like we all get really kind of like the guard we goes bristle. up and defensive yeah. and we're trying yeah. to pick her apart. Would you say? I'm sorry, Aparna. We bristle. We like yeah. kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's know. like, why oh, are we so doing ugly. this? Like, like, especially after all these years, like we're willing to just step on each other rather than lift each other up. Well, people have said that to me. They're like, how are you so nice to like all the other women on the show that weren't given your edit? I'm like, they didn't choose their edit right we would have all chosen differently if we chose our edit they're like but how can you be friends with nadia and Ankita? and i'm like what they're amazing like they're awesome they're <laughs> cool they're entrepreneurs they've got their businesses like i think the biggest thing for me was like they really highlighted the best of the people that they chose to um, right to, and they didn't highlight anything good about me and that was just right. like unnecessary like so many people are like oh I didn't even know you owned a luxury travel company I was like well that's funny we taped like 30 hours of footage ad nauseum talking about it and when they asked me what they wanted my title line to be they were like attorney and I was like no 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 say I'm the founder of this company because I love it the most like it's my love in my life just say I'm a founder of a company like don't even well, you yeah. talked about travel. Why would they leave that out? Yeah, it makes that's no crazy. Sense. That's crazy. Because it just made, can I just generalize what they made you sound like? Mm-hmm. They made it sound like that you were this lawyer that just traveled and lived this like first class life and that's what you do. And anyone who wasn't on that boat, like could just beat it. Mm-hmm. But like, I am just finding out now today, end of October, that you own this company. <laughs> yeah, and that I spend every waking moment that I'm not working on this company and that I love this company. And and they were like, oh, but the, I guess what they thought was that that doesn't fit the narrative of the angry lawyer who hates her job. Like if she went out and found love on her own terms and her creativity and her side hustle, then that doesn't fit the narrative. Yeah, and what does fit the narrative is like, not to I and I'm not hating on Nadia at no, all, we but all they right. did highlight her hustle with the dance stuff because that fits into the pretty Indian girl. Yeah, she's the wedding planner who never got married and then Ungat's cool yeah. business babe. Like everyone calls her the business babe. And I'm like, we all have businesses. Why is she the business babe? Because they highlighted right. that. Like, you know, like even Jay went on one date with me and he has like a painted countertop business and like they showed me like helping him with scalability of the business and like blah, blah, blah. And his business has done really well since the show. And I'm like, that's not cool. First of all, you mess with my mom and then you mess with my business by like omitting it. Like this is just like an affront altogether. Like, you know, I love this business and I give it everything. And like, it was just cut because it's, it's not cool. And I'm like, but, but that's a part of me. That's a big part of me. And that is stemming from my love for travel and my love for entrepreneurship and my love for like female empowerment and South Asian founders and like all of these things that I'm passionate about. And they were like, "Mm, not relevant. (laughs) 
Like, okay. Yeah. And did you only know that it was not relevant when you saw the edits and when you saw the final product? Or did you have a hint that this was going to be... We taped it so much. They even asked me... 30 hours? The fact, what would you like to be called? And I said, founder of My Golden Balloon. Wow. Many months after we finished taping, what would you like to be referred to? Founder of My Golden Balloon. Founder of a luxury travel company. Founder of travel. Like, call me anything around those. Like, you pick the title. And they're like, how about attorney? And I'm like, no, no, not relevant. To me, not relevant, right? Like, to them, very relevant. But to me, not relevant. So what... What does your life look like right now? Tell us about what's going on with you and like what you want people to know. (laughs) And will you get back on camera? I would love to get back on camera. How fun would that be? Um, And now I think I'm wise to it too. Like I went so naive. The season one of every show is so special in a way because now it is so naive. Like we all were talking on a cast call like a few weeks ago. Vyasar, I don't know who set up that one, but someone was like, let's just get all on Zoom. So even our Indian castmates came on. We like did a doodle poll like when can you guys all show up like poor indians were like waking up at 8 a.m to you know <laughs> we were all up at 10 30 p.m like drinking our wine and they were mm-hmm. all like, having tea but um it was really interesting because we all got on the show to find love like we the premise of it the mission of it was to find love none of us wanted fame none of us wanted brand sponsorships none of us wanted anything we just wanted to find love we wanted this matchmaker to produce for us the most perfect partner and none of us got it and we were all like oh Okay. Um, hmm. And that will never happen again. I mean, so many people DM me, how do I get on season two? Can you get me on season two? Blah, blah, blah. Like, mm. I want to be famous. Like, I don't even want to find love, but man, how cool to be famous. And I'm like, being famous means you can't hike up a mountain in peace. Right. Well, like, really consider if you want that fame or not. Um, but for me, like, I, I thought it would slow down after a week or two. It didn't. Three weeks, four weeks. I was juggling a full-time job. I'm strategizing growth from my golden balloon for the moment a vaccine or a good therapy comes out. I want that business to grow. I want it to be a home for people who love traveling. You know, I want it to be there for them. And um, that takes work and that takes time. Uh, Talking to 200 media outlets takes time. Um, Talking to the viewers that want to have really engaged, awesome, insightful conversations with me um, takes time. Uh, Finding myself coming to have a social media presence <laughs> takes time. Um, I just couldn't do it. Like recently I just um, took a sabbatical from my legal job. Oh, I think last week. And I was literally sleeping. Th- I'm not a very anxious person by nature, but I was sleeping three to four hours a night. Like I was mm-hmm. not sleeping well. Like I'm eating all of these wrong things, not working out. I'm stressed. I'm like, it's just not good for me. Like the light at the end of the tunnel never came. And so I was just like, something's got to give. And I was like, it's got to be a sabbatical from law. It's got to be to juggle all of this. And I had to take better care of myself. Like I want to get back to meditating and enjoying the, you know, the time with my family. Like I'm going to move to New York. I was supposed to move next month, but. Um, oh my gosh. So, yeah. so why are you going to move to New York? This is really exciting. Yeah. I think it's a better fit for me as a city. Um, I've realized that too, with the women in New York love me. Um, <laughs> you are us. Come here. We are your people. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. But it's always been a move I considered, but just for like all the growth I want for my company, for my golden balloon, for opportunities for like, you know, I'm writing a book right now. I think it would be better based out of there. Yeah. Yeah. We're finalizing. Do you, the yeah. Do you want to plug the book a little bit? Yeah. So the book is um, basically my 10 rules for living life. So a lot of women asked me thousands, um, how did you become this way? And I think that was a really good question. There is many life experiences that have kind of brought me to this point. And I think that there's lessons to be learned in those experiences, just not just for me, but for others. And so I talk a lot about the 
the process of indie matchmaking from the casting all the way to the viewing of the show and then the backlash and then the support. And that's maybe 30, 40% of the book. And the other 60% is life experiences that kind of informed me as a person. And so it's kind of like this perfect thing for people who are fans of the show. And then if you didn't watch the show for, for fans of women who like kind of step out on their own and do their own thing and empower themselves and others through their actions. Um, I think that's a pretty relevant story, regardless of whether or not you watch the show. And um, it's a lot about fortitude and perseverance. And, and, and for me too, saying like, Hey, I'm not going to allow you to vilify me or others um, like me again. Like it's, we got to stop this. It's got to be a mission that we moving forward. Right. So I really want to right now, um, like rewrite the narrative that is your, your relationship with your mom and who your mom is in your life. So can you just tell us a little bit about that? Because now I, I realize that it's all kind of a farce. Yeah. And so can you tell our listeners, especially what kind of person your mom is and how she, she raised you and helped you be the person you are today? Yeah, I come from a really strong line of women and like they have a lot of a grit and, and that's taught me a lot. You know, like I chose a very stable career because I wanted that stability that we as immigrants have not had before. But I also choose to spend my spare time, you know, growing my dreams. And she's always been an entrepreneur and she's always said that's, you know, a big part of, of who we are. It's about um, taking the things that we love and creating for others from that. Um, and so she's always supported me with that. She's always supported me with whoever I date, which is strange on the show to make it seem like she doesn't. In fact, she's never met anyone I've dated because until I meet someone I want to marry, they're not meeting my family. Like I'm literally going to bring someone home one day and be like, this is my future husband. <laughs> I'm going to propose in a day or two. So here's the heads up. Like, and and everyone's like, but what if they don't like him? I'm like, they'll like him. Like, they trust me. Like, they trust my decision for my partner for every every decision I made. They've always said, look, do what makes you happy. I traveled the world. My sister has a passport that expired two years ago. My mom supports her and her husband, who's this, you know, awesome blonde guy that she met 10 years ago and has been married for eight years too. Like, you know, my mom is just supportive of whoever we are, whoever we choose to be, whatever we are, and however we follow our own joy and bliss. She'll support my sister in kayaking and snowshoeing and REI membership for life. And she'll support me in, you know, being upgraded to first class as I fly to Egypt for the weekend with my friends. She's like, whatever makes you happy. It doesn't matter to me. And that was just completely taken away from the whole process um, in the show. But she's a wonderful support. I wish all women had cheerleaders like her. You know, when that Trini situation happened and she called him a loser, it's because she was so hurt and so protective over me because off camera, a lot of really bad shady things happened with him and they had nothing to do with his profession or anything like that. And I was really upset. And my mom's like, you can walk away from the show. You can walk away from this process. You don't have to be a part of something that makes you feel so little. It made me cry. I was like crying to her about it. And she was like, forget this person. He's a loser. He made you cry. Like what? Yes. Like, first of all, wipe the tears. Like no one's worth that. But why wouldn't they show that? It's just so confusing. I think it's a disservice to the viewers too, because everyone's like, oh, you're so strong and fierce. And I'm like, yeah, except like someone trampled me and made me cry. Like, that's an important part of the story too, that women who are strong still have to be vulnerable in this process and get hurt in the process. Like, you know, it's, it's a part of finding love, like that you're going to get screwed over sometimes. And, um, and I don't know, I'm very proud of her for, for standing up for me and saying that and saying to me off camera and on camera, I walk away from this process. It was my first date. It was my first day on the show. She's like, you don't need this. 
and they did all of these platitudes to keep me and like promised me all these things. And like, I stayed, but I look back on that and I'm like, that was a strong woman. That was a strong woman who saw that her daughter was not happy with the process who had been beaten down by the process and was like, well, you can walk away from things like that. So when I say, I will talk to you never, I hope other women take in that into consideration that anyone who wrongs you and dims your light or tramples you in any way, like don't let them apologize. Don't let them come back. Tell them no. Tell them I will speak to you never. I mean it. And I have never spoken to that man again. He's not reached out to be fair either. But like, I have nothing to say to someone that treats people like that. Nothing. And my mom has nothing to say about them either. So like the stuff that happened off camera, like did Netflix know that was happening or did you tell them about it? Of course. Yeah. And they just didn't really support you on that. Well, you're about to talk to Vinny, right? Who had like the fake taping where they taped the scene that didn't even exist. Oh, yeah. Oh, the one. Wait, the one where like the friends come to meet him and like she's. Yeah, I don't. From what I gather, I've not heard it from him but from what i gather from reading his interviews and stuff like um he was never invited to show up that day wow okay well, if you're not invited to show up well then how are you supposed to be there like i can't like right now if someone's waiting for me somewhere but they haven't told me to be there well then they can wait till kingdom come i'm not showing right like yeah you know if someone's waiting for me at a restaurant right now to eat lunch with me like well i'm busy now because my calendar's full and you never told me to come meet you for lunch yeah. so you'll be waiting forever wow interesting so when you say you're open to being on camera again, would you be open to being on this show or maybe other experiences or both? Yeah, sure. I'm still single. I'd be open to the show. I mean, now that I know what the show is about, I would go into it with my eyes wide open and say like, hey, I'm open to this process. But um, a lot of people were like, oh, you signed up for this. You knew what you were getting into. And I was like, no, bro, I wouldn't have signed up for this. Like, <laughs> but no, if, uh, if someone was like, yeah, like season two, I'd be like, okay, I know what I'm signing up for and I'm down. Like, I think there's opportunities to grow and to, um, to find love in every, any avenue that includes matchmaking, that includes the show. Um, so yeah, I would, I'd be down to try it again. I, I don't know if there is a season two. I don't know if I would be invited to be on a season two. Um, I obviously, that's all hypothetical, but um, it's not off the table in my book. What about your like, life before the show you know like um what was your dating life before like in your younger years or like your relationship with dating because I know mine was very complex as a South Asian American I've always been very direct so I go on a lot of first dates a lot less second dates a lot less third dates it's like a pyramid um <laughs> with the top being third dates and further um I've, I've always can thought I knew what I wanted, right? That's the the key that we all think that we know. So like in my twenties, I dated really extroverted, successful men who were very life of the party and, you know, told all the stories and, you know, did all the exciting things. And turns out that means not for me. So I quickly backpedaled in my thirties and I was like, wait, what is for me? And I was like, I, I've narrowed it down to three things. I was very clear about those three things. It's I wanted someone South Asian. So the show was a natural fit. Um, I wanted someone who was more laid back and introverted and, um, you know, just more relaxed than me. I'm not a very relaxed person. Um, shocker. <laughs> and then um, I wanted someone who was way more intelligent than me. Someone who was like, and not just like smart, like I went to a good school, but like I'm learning every day and I'm sharing it with you. I'm engaged with it. Like, so for example, I'm never going to read The Economist. I'm never going to sit down and like read that newspaper, <laughs> but like I would love if someone did and they were passionate about economics and they were like, honey, macroeconomics is coming to a standstill because of these reasons. I read The Economist and they shared it with me because like, look, we're building a life together. They're my partner. They're my family member. I want to support them in their interests and I want to learn through them. 
those are the things I want in my 30s. Someone's like, have they changed since the show? And like, I hope they don't because those are pretty stable uh, things that work for me. And I'm not saying that they're going to work for every woman. I don't have a list for the every woman. I have the list for me. And that's mine. And I'm still looking for that guy. And I'm still going on first dates trying to whittle out if they are that guy. You know, well, right now I'm not dating anyone, actually. I haven't dated since COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, you can do Zoom dates. And I'm like, I don't think so. Um, right. First of all, um, I think what COVID started in March and we all kept thinking it'll be over in a month or two. Right. And then we got to like end of May. And then I was like, oh, the show is coming on a month or two. And I'm moving to New York. And then it kept going. COVID kept going. And then the show got crazy. And now I'm like, how could I even be a good person to me? Like, I want to be a good, awesome version of Aparna to me. And I'm not that person right now if I'm exhausted all the time and doing press day and night and, you know, writing my book and, you know, running my businesses and like doing all of those things. So like, I want to be a better person for that person. And I'm going to wait until I'm there. Have people asked you out after oh, the show? So like, yeah. Shockingly, actually, with my portrayal on the show, I didn't expect it. I was like, really? Who are you asking out? I kind of like <laughs> doubt you for asking version. Like, if that's who you thought I was, well, you're going to be sorely disappointed if you meet me because you're going to be like, wait, that's not the girl on the show. Um, No, it's not. Um, A lot of people have also tried to set me up with like their cousins and their brothers. And to be honest, mm-hmm. I also get thousands of DMs. Not so much anymore, but in the beginning. So God knows who's sitting in my DMs today that I've never even like looked at, like who I've missed. I couldn't even tell you. Um, definitely family and friends and friends of friends are like, I know this guy in LA. I know this guy in TC. And I'm like, first of all, I'm moving to New York. Yeah. So for the first mm-hmm. time, geography is going to play a really big role in this. Before I was always open to relocating for the right guy. And now I'm like, but for me, I want to go to New York. Like, that's just me right now in this space in my life. So like, there was like a, a, a couple of people like, no, I have the perfect guy for you in LA. And I'm like, no. Right now, give me a moment. Let me have my New York. Let me find yeah. love there if I can. You know, if I can't, then oh well, at least I've tried. Um, but let me like do that for myself because I've always wanted to do that for myself. And I think sometimes we have to say, hey, this is for me and I'm doing it. Well, Parna, I met my husband. Uh, I used to live in Brooklyn. I met him in Brooklyn. So See, all my friends in Manhattan found their husbands there. And like everyone's like, oh, don't go to New York. You'll never find someone there. I'm like, but everyone there has found someone there. They're fine. Oh, and I I met Patrick, my partner in New York as well, actually. Are you moving to Manhattan? Yeah, I think so. I mean, everyone's like, oh, try Brooklyn Heights, try Williamsburg. I'm like, again, just give me a year. Like, let me just do the lower Chelsea or Gramercy or Tribeca, West Village life just for 12 months. And then we'll talk Williamsburg and Brooklyn Heights, all the grown up places I'm supposed to live. You know, like, I get it. Um. Yeah, we'll see. I'm Aparna, I feel like your life is kind of not just beginning, but this is a huge chapter that you're embarking on. I hope so. It's a scary one. I want to be honest, too. I'm try- I try to be honest on my Instagram, too. And I think a lot of people appreciate it because they're like, oh, it's so glamorous. I'm like, is it? Because like I'm burnt out. I'm depleted. Right. I'm currently unemployed out of choice. Sure, but unemployed. Like, um, I don't know if my book deal is going to be picked up by anyone. I hope it is, but we don't know. Um. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know when I'm moving to New York. There's so much uncertainty and I try to stay excited about it. But like, honestly, sometimes it's overwhelming too. And we're allowed to say we're that. We're allowed hey, to say that. It's overwhelming. I, I didn't imagine myself to be 35 and have so many uncertainties. Like I imagine myself 35 with two kids living in a house with a picket fence, you know? Um, but hey, we get what we get. And this has been an awesome opportunity. Indian matchmaking has opened up my world in so many ways to people and experiences and opportunities and 
I'm going to try to grab them all. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Well, we won't take up more of your time. Um, thank you so much. I learned so much from this. Totally. I mean, it's just, it's really lovely to hear more, like the real you and your whole story. Well, and the women empowerment that I didn't think we were going to be getting in this conversation. I didn't know what to expect, of course, but I didn't think that was going to be on the table. And now I'm like really grateful to be talking to you. So thank you for educating. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. I know that you guys are doing such an awesome job with Family Karma. So to include us is a big deal. And we appreciate Oh, well, we were just like, you know, we were just thrilled. They're like Indian matchmaking. This is right up our alley. And I mean, I just feel like so thankful as someone who never saw anyone who represented me on a screen ever (laughs) until I was like in my 30s it's and a lot um, of it's just really are saying that too that it's very important that never have I ever came out that family karma came out matchmaking mm-hmm. came out um funnily enough my mom and Mindy's dad grew up together in Nigeria or they were they knew each other in Nigeria and oh her dad used God. to wow. eat he was a bachelor back then and he used to eat dinner at my nani's house um you know, during the oh. week and my mom like sees him on tv she's like oh chakra lingam and like just to think about the the gravity of that that like these two people in Lagos, Nigeria, moved to America, and their kids are Mindy and Aparna. Now, I'm not on a Mindy level in any. In any <laughs> <laughs> you might be, yeah, in the future. I hope so at some point. I mean, but we're South Asian. Isn't it cool that like we're two South Asian women who are on television for everyone who's South Asian who's been looking for that? Like, what does that look like? Like, how many versions of me can I see on a screen? Like, representation is so important, and yeah, it it's is. amazing that. Well, and I think that's why we have to we have to get that representation correct and mm-hmm. right. And that's why I'm so glad you you came on this this podcast. Yeah. And we can't wait for to hear from our listeners and we can't wait to like just watch your journey and see and how read it your books. I know. Tell I the know. publishing houses. So Someone's got to pick it up. <laughs> yes. Uh, we will read it okay. for sure. Thank you guys so much. So good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye. 